You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. On Wednesday night, August 18th, I introduced this series that we would be doing called Management of Life. We started talking about how to manage our life. And boy, this has been a fast blink of an eye. And here we are, December 15th. All you can say is, whew, that was, that was quick. But for us here in this ministry, learning to manage our life is, is a number one priority for us. You know, the church has done the job of evangelizing for years. We've gotten people to the front of the church, got them to repeat the sinner's prayer, and then dismissed. Next week, we got people to the front, got them to repeat the sinner's prayer, and dismissed. The next week, get people come to the front, repeat the sinner's prayer, and dismissed. And we forgot somewhere along in there to read Romans 8 to them. Romans 8, I want you to go to Romans 8, chapter 5. Now, now, Romans 8, verse 5. Romans 8, verse 5. Now, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. See, before you're saved, you can't think about the things that please the Spirit. But once you get saved, then you can think about the things of the Spirit. But no one told you that you can still think about the things of the flesh as a saved person. So... Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. You can have repeated the sinner's prayer, but you can still let your sinful nature control you. And you're not going to live blessed in that state. Uh, we, somehow or another, we get people saved, but then we don't read to them verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Now get this, if you live by its dictates, you're going to die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I don't know how we miss that. I don't know how we miss teaching people that. But th th no doubt, obviously, no doubt, the most important decision you're going to ever make in your whole life is asking Jesus to forgive your sins and come into your heart. That establishes where you're going to spend all eternity. So let's don't underestimate the importance of that decision. That's an eternity decision. And there's only one of two places you can go. You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. And that's it. That, that's your that, that's where it is. But now that you have gotten eternity taken care of, how will your life be lived here on earth? 
And that's what we got to concern ourselves with. Now that my eternity, that eternal destination is secure, now I turn my attention to how do I live my daily life here on earth? And as we read the scripture, your life here on earth can be hell. Your life here on earth can be a living hell for you if you don't learn to manage that old carnal nature. If you don't learn to manage that. No one told Christians, now that you have asked Jesus into your heart, I got news for you. You're not obligated any longer to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So the, because I felt like it, is no longer a reason or an excuse. No doubt you felt like it, but you don't have to do that. You, you don't have to do that. No doubt, as a Christian, your sinful nature is going to urge you to fly off the handle. Your sinful nature is going to urge you to slam the door and scream, I'm leaving you. Your sinful nature is going to urge you to get in the car and blow gravel all over the driveways you leave. See, your sinful nature is going to urge you to get mad, blow your top, and storm off of your job. Your sinful nature is going to, going to urge you to scream and yell and cuss and... The, all of that will lead to death and destruction. It won't lead to life and peace. Life and peace don't, are not produced by you yelling and screaming and flying off the handle and threatening and spinning your tires. Life and peace are not produced by that. And no one tells Christians, you don't have to do that anymore. You're not obligated to that urge of that sinful nature. And because the church too often does not teach this practical, daily way of living the Christian life, what's tragic is many leave Christianity by, I tried Christianity and it didn't work for me. I tried going to church and it didn't work for me. I did that and it didn't work. We don't tell folks the acceptance of Jesus is the beginning. It's not the end. It's just the beginning of this. We tell people, you just come to Jesus and you'll be full of joy. You just come to Jesus and you're going to be blessed. Well, that's not necessarily true. If after you come to Jesus, you live according to the dictates of your carnal nature, you're not going to experience joy. You're not so, just come to Jesus and your heart will be full of joy. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. If you continue to follow that old carnal nature that's in you. And what's tragic is 2 Peter chapter 1 tells us that you and I have been given everything we need for living a godly life. Everything we need for living a godly life has been given. But now you've got to choose to do that. And it's sad, you've got all the tools in your toolbox, but we're not using any of them. We, we see the mandate from Jesus to go and make disciples. And he says, teaching them all that I've taught you. That's the reason we here are a discipleship-focused ministry. Now, absolutely, we want to hear about you leading someone to the Lord on your job this week. 
We want to hear the fact that you were out playing golf with somebody and on the ninth hole, you led somebody to the Lord this week. That's where people get saved. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but the lost don't flood the doors of churches. The, the lost don't come into church. The lost aren't here every week. The lost get so miserable. that We've heard Paul talk about coming into his bedroom by himself, realizing if I don't turn my life to the Lord, I'm going to die. And had an encounter by himself with the Lord. I've heard people talk about being so miserable. They drove their car and parked in a parking lot, crying their eyes out and said, God, I need help. I need you. People are so miserable. I've, I've read uh, stories about men on a deer stand and said, God, I'm just crying out to you. I'm miserable. I need you. And, and we get to a place where we're miserable. We cry out to the Lord, I need help. I, I've heard testimonies of people in a jail cell by themselves. God, I need help. Then they come to church and the ministry of the church is to make disciples out of those folks. Teaching them how Jesus taught us to live. Now that you all in here have come to the end of yourself, now that you've cried out to God, now the church's mandate is to teach us how to manage that old nature. Colossians and Ephesians both talk about putting off this and putting on this. Put off that, put on this. Stop that and start this. That's the process of living the Christian life. And that's what we've been doing in here ever since August 18th, every Wednesday night in this series. Now, I don't want to, nor can I, reteach 15 weeks of lessons, but I just want us to recap. I want to jog our memory. I want to recap a number of the things that we talked about. Uh, as I introduced this series and what all we were going to talk about the next week, then Josh came in and he talked about managing our supply. Well, there's no way you're going to get good stuff out of your life if you're not putting good stuff in your life. You're going to have to manage your supply. I'm just having such horrible nightmares, horrible nightmares. Well, by chance, do you watch horror movies? Oh, I love horror movies. Well, I mean, you can't put the wrong thing in and get the right thing out. And you've got the, the, the most important thing you're going to do in your daily life is manage what you're feeding yourself. What music do you listen to? What TV do you watch? What movies do you watch? Where do you go for entertainment? What friend group do you hang around? Do you have a friend group that says, I'm going to pray for you? Do you have a friend group that will quote scripture to you? Do you have a friend group that will confess the word over you? Or do you have a friend group that says, I tell you what I do, my God, I just never. Wait a minute, what is your friend group feeding into you? See, you've got to manage what you're hearing. I'm wanting peace. I'm wanting joy. I'm wanting God's blessings. Well, you're filling yourself full of a bunch of mess. You've got to manage your supply. Oh, I'm not listening to that. I'm not feeding myself that. I'm not putting that stuff in. Paul followed us up by talking about managing our thoughts. We teach our interns all the time, you're not going to ever stop the birds from flying over your head. Bad thoughts just come. 
but you don't have to let the birds build a nest in your hair. Don't let them take up residence there. And you don't get frustrated because you have bad thoughts. Oh, Tim, I just have such bad thoughts. We all do. You're going to have bad thoughts. You're going to continue to have bad thoughts. They come in where you got to take control is thinking on them and thinking and letting it stay and seething on it. And the more you think about it, and I'm going to tell you, I tell you, and I'm already planning what I'm fixing to tell them the next, when the time is right, buddy, here I, and I've been rehearsing my, I'm telling you. See, what we're doing is letting thoughts in our head and they stay in there and let me tell you something that will lead to death and destruction if you want life in peace I'm not thinking that thought I'm going to think this thought isn't it a pretty day isn't this a great day it's a good day things are going good from I'm wait I see you turn no one told Christians you can turn a thought off and turn another thought on No, no one ever told you that You don't have to be controlled by this bad situation. And all of us have bad situations, and all of us can seethe on them and dwell on them and think about them and let them. you got to manage your thoughts. Then it was my turn again, and we talked about managing our tongue. My goodness. That's easy for some of you because y'all are quiet and sweet. Some, that's not so easy for your tongue starts and then your mind engages. Sometimes there's a lot of folks that their tongue starts and their mind never does engage. And if that's you, you need to do something about that. Get a staple gun and staple your lips together or something. You can't just, your, your mouth and what's coming out of your mouth and you can't just think out loud and you can't just throw words out. And you, just, well, come, you got to think before you talk. Think that all the way through before you come out with that that's not what you should have said that's not the words that you need to use come on slow your mouth down and engage your thinking and think that all the way through before you come out see we're reaping a lot of destruction in our life because we won't manage our tongue we won't manage our tongue and so you've got you just, it, it's got you one job after the next. It's got you one marriage after the next. It's got you one. I mean, we just can't get life together because we won't get our tongue under control. You know, from there we took off talking about different areas and aspects of life that will lead to life and peace and aspects of life that will lead to death and destruction. You know, the problem, and it's a tragic problem, as a Christian who is living life in a way that leads to death. That's sad. That, that's, that's tragic. And, and here's what happens. And I, I deal with it on a daily basis. What happens is they're mad at God because of what they think God should have done for them or didn't do for them or they prayed and asked and God didn't do why God didn't invade and God and God and blaming the church and blaming the pastors and blaming God when they're not managing their supply. They're not managing their thinking. They won't control their mouth. It's not God's fault. It don't blame God for the fact that you won't control your tongue. 
And it's costing you and costing you and costing you. And what's sad is, well, I'm a Christian and I prayed and I asked God and he didn't do for me. Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem. You got to manage your life. You got to manage your actions. What did you do that for? Why did you go there to begin with? I can't believe this happened. Why did you go there to begin with? That isn't any place that you should have ever been anyway. So it's not a surprise to me that that happens because that's what happens in places like that. Where you messed up was being in a place that you shouldn't have been. We got to manage our actions. A huge lesson that we spent some time on was evaluating our gifts. We clearly see in Corinthians and Romans that we have different gifts. We're all different. We have different gifts. You're saved and you're going to spend eternity in heaven. But to be blessed here on earth, you're going to have to manage your giftings. Just because you like Josh, just because you admire Josh, just because you want to be like Josh, doesn't mean you want to be a youth pastor. See, there, there's men in the church. Oh, I like him. I admire him. Look at the money he's making. Look at the life he's living. I want to go do that. See, you, you got, I'm blessed because this one is doing that. I'm blessed because this one's doing this. But what has God gifted me to do? See, your, your success in your life will be determined on how you manage your own giftings. I appreciate I appreciate Paul's giftings, but you're gifted to be a mechanic. I appreciate Paul's giftings, but you're gifted to be a carpenter. See, we can appreciate people's giftings, but you don't have to do what they do. And it, it's sad when Christians get outside of their gifting, and then they're believing God to bless their business, believing God to bless their business, and then God doesn't bless their business, and then they're mad at God because he didn't bless their business. God did not ever put you in that business. He didn't create you for that business. You're outside your giftings, praying on God's blessings on what you're doing, and he can't bless that because he didn't create you to do that. You've got to evaluate your giftings and then manage those giftings in a way that enables God to bless you for what he created you to do. For three weeks, I took us through a look at Joseph's life. And you, you need to read the last uh, half of Genesis over and over and over. Read about Joseph's life. There, there's just, there is a life full of lessons studying Joseph's reactions to scenarios in his life. I, 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 there's not anybody that can be any more bitter, any more full of hate, any more full of vengeance or get even. Any, Joseph had every right to walk in unforgiveness that's immeasurable, but, but Joseph, and, and he was wronged. I mean, his dad, his brothers, his brothers sold him into slavery. They wronged him. Tim, you don't know what they did to me. I'm not arguing whether they did to you right or wrong. Joseph was lied about. He was framed. He was wronged. I get it. He was wronged. But he can't control the wrong that was happened to him. You can only control your attitude in life. 
You can only control your response. And just because you have been definitely wronged does not allow you to destroy your life living in hate and anger and unforgiveness and bitterness. And we want to argue over the fact of whether we were justified by feeling this way. You're more than justified. You were lied to. You're more than justified. Just go punch the guy out and see if that brings you happiness. See if that brings you joy and peace. See, what, what, what we're wanting in life has got to, is going to be the result of certain management actions along the way in our life. We, we just want to argue about the fact that we were wronged instead of look at Joseph and he just had a great attitude. Wronged, lied about in prison, and it wasn't long before he took over and became the head of the whole prison. You just walk in control of your attitudes, your thoughts, your mouth, your responses. And, and then we, you, you end up looking at Joseph's life. And, and you see his life. He was definitely blessed. No doubt about it. He was tremendously blessed. But it ended up being a salvation for his family. And then ultimately salvation for the whole world. See, it's, God doesn't just bless you to bless you. See, your blessings trickle down and you've been blessed so you can be a blessing. And, and what a chain of events that happened in Joseph's life. Paul took us through uh, three weeks of a look at Moses' life and, and there's just no way to recap all that there is to learn about Moses' life. And one of, one of the things I guess that just continues to be overwhelming to me is the fact that, yes, God called Moses, but Moses was willing. Moses was willing to say, I'll do it. No, I can't. I'm not educated. I don't speak well. I, you know, there, there's always a reason why you can't do what God's called you to do. But the overwhelming thing about Moses was, I'll do it. I'll do it. And he was obedient to follow God step by step through his life. And all that Moses went through, all that he endured. Uh, read Exodus and, and, and just go back and forth over Moses' life and look at how he managed his thoughts and his actions in his life. For the last three weeks then, I finished this up by looking at David's life. Um, there's, there's just no way to go back and look at all of that. But in a, in a day and time like we're in now, you know, you start out in David's life as we get introduced to him. Our first introduction is his own father rejecting him. A total rejection by his father. And right there, David's life could have stopped. And he spent the rest of his life in counseling, in therapy, and on on depression medicine and on in crisis man right there is enough to send David's life in an alcoholic downward spiral where he never amounted to anything and 50 years later still talking about the rejection that he experienced by his father did his father reject him unbelievably so can I believe what his father did no not really but what did David do I mean, you know, in spite of all of that, church, well, I'm not here to say that didn't happen to you. I'm here to tell you, in spite of all of that, the hatred of his siblings, 
unprecedented. And, and you, you have siblings that, that hate you. Does that ruin your life? We've got to go on with what God's called us to do. Uh, just so many lessons we talked about, but I, I get overwhelmed thinking about Saul trying to put his suit of armor on David, and David taking that off, and, and he said, I, uh, that, that doesn't fit me, I can't use that, and David grabbing his slingshot. And the more I think about that, the more I become aware of the fact you can't fight your daily battles in your pastor's relationship with the Lord. See, you got to have what works for you. You can't fight your daily battles because your wife is a prayer warrior. You, you can't fight your daily battles because your mother prayed for you since you were a little bitty boy. See, at some point, you're going to have to develop your own... Are you getting this? He, David could not depend on Saul's armor to carry him. He grabbed his slingshot, but what was important to me is he knew what worked for him. I, you got to know how to get God's ear for you. You, you got to have your own prayer life. You got, I, I know how to get happy on my own. I can get in my truck, I can get in my truck by myself, and I can begin to pray in the Spirit in God. I can get myself happy on my own. And, and, you, and, and until you learn to do that, you're going to be running from one concert to the next, from one counseling session to the next, from one service to the next, trying to find a church that can make you happy. And you can go to every church in this town and ain't no church going to make you happy until you learn how to get happy on your own. And see, David took that suit off and says, this don't work for me, glad it works for you, but here's what's got to work for me. And you've got to have a relationship with God that you can kill your own giants. On and on and on we could talk about lessons from David's life that we can learn. I just, I just want you to know as we finish up, God gives his word of direction. But it's up to you and I to do it. It's up to you and I to do it. And, and yes, come to Jesus. He will bring you peace and joy. That's true if you continue to do what he's called you to do. If you'll continue to put off your old thinking and put on your new thinking. But if you just come and confess a little prayer before the, the pastor at the end of the service and go right back out, same friends, same entertainment, same food supply source, your same actions, your same vocabulary, you're going to be very disappointed in what Jesus could do in your life. It calls for a life change. It calls for a life change. And when you begin to change your life and follow God's will and plan and purpose, then you just can't, you can't imagine the peace and the joy that is out there for you to walk in in the midst of of an imperfect and fallen world. I want to end this series after all we've talked about with James chapter 1 verse 22. It says, don't just listen to God's word. You got to do what it says. And then in verse 25, for if you will do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God, then God will bless you for doing it. We all, everybody in here wants the blessings of God. They are a result of you doing his word. Then, if you do what God says, 
then God will bless you for doing it. I I really pray that this series has been a game changer for you. Y'all stand with me. Lord, we are so grateful for your, your plan to save us. Thank you for sending your son while we were yet sinners, sending your son to pay the debt that we couldn't pay. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. And now, Lord, that we have received the birth of Jesus in our life. Now that we have received new life from him, Lord, we roll up our sleeves. We put off these old thoughts and we put on our new thoughts. Lord, we crucify that flesh that wants to rise up. Lord, we understand that we're no longer obligated. We don't have to act like that. We don't have to think like that. And Lord, we purpose in our heart to be obedient to your word Think like you've called us to think and live like you've called us to live. Direct and guide us as we manage our life to fulfill what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com. 